Well, hello, super awesomes. We are back with another exclusive episode just for you all. And this is a follow up to episode 123 that we just released. I have Laura here with me. We got so many fantastic questions from you all in our sort of awesome superstars hangout group that we wanted to take a minute to answer a few more of your questions. These are maybe a little bit more personal in nature. I don't know. We got pretty personal on 123, Laura. So. <laughs> And now we just have more and more words. (laughs) So we thought we would take a minute to share some more answers to your questions just for you guys. So, Laura, let's just dig right into these. You guys asked so many fantastic questions. And by the way, if you are not in our Facebook group, which we get a lot of questions, people emailing after they sign up to become supporters of the show through Patreon. How do I find the Facebook group? Let me just tell you that you go to facebook.com slash groups slash SA, capital S, capital A, superstars. That will take you to our Facebook group that we created just for you all. Make sure you have handy your email address that's connected to your Patreon account, and we'll get you right in. So, All right, let's get to these questions. Tracy had a great one just asking for a sort of an update on life. She's wondering what is the most rewarding part of your current life season and also what's the most challenging part? Well, you go first. (laughs) Okay. I feel like mine is more, I have to be totally honest, mine's more rewarding right now in this moment in the fact that family life-wise, having all four kids in school all day, this I'm just going to say it just because we're all friends here. It has ushered in a whole new experience of life for me. Um, I can say that with confidence because all four of our kids are doing fantastic in school. I can look at them and their experiences at school, what they're learning, who they're becoming in the schools in their, that they're in, in the classrooms that they're in, and know that things are absolutely right and well for them right now. And so that gives me that confidence. But on this end, it's like I have such an amazing expanse of time to do meaningful work that is so important to me. And I'm so thankful for it. I realize that I'm absolutely um, drenched and privileged to be able to say that I have this time during the school days when I can do work that is so meaningful for me. Also, speaking of the twins, um, I feel like all of the difficulty and the hardness of having two babies at once, making it through infancy, making it through toddlerhood, which was the most difficult for me, all of that is kind of like we're on the other end of it. The boys are getting close to five now. And I just love them so much. They're so cute. Amazing. They are so fun and funny. And I just snuggled them all the time. My sister was just here for Thanksgiving. And I'm sure she thought I was a crazy person because I would just be like, look at look at the twins right now. Aren't they so cute? They just do this all the time. And I would just go on and on and be like, aren't they so amazing? I feel like after all this time, like for years when people would be like, oh my gosh, I always wanted twins. I thought it would be so fun to have twins. I'd be like, I don't even know why. It's so hard. But now, four years old, which is a fun age anyway, I would say truly all of that hard work in the past, things are great. So uh, family life is is going well. Um, Kyle and I are in a good place in our marriage. And 
So yeah, there's lots of rewarding things. Challenging wise is I do still, this is, this is probably just the continual ongoing challenge of my life. I have way more ideas and way more things that I want to do than I will ever be able to create time and space to do, which Mm. that's a pretty universal thing. I'm obviously not alone in that. It's something that worries me that I kind of will stay up at night thinking about quite a bit, like what what can I be doing if we did this and that, but learning to live within the limits of reality. (laughs) It's an ongoing challenge for me. So let's hear yours. Well, my most rewarding, honestly, I mentioned on episode... 123. That is, I have local friendships that have been really life-giving to me. They um, are friends from school. My daughter started a new elementary school last year, so they're still sort of new friends. We're only a year and a half in, but we've already traveled together and you know, we spend a lot of time together and we really connect. And it has been huge for me to find other moms in this city that are similar to me. I I just didn't have that before. Um, I had for, you know, locally, local friends are a huge blessing anywhere you are. And I've struggled with that in Los Angeles literally from the beginning. So to have local friends in my very same stage of life with similar lifestyles, similar interests and hobbies and style, you know, we can shop and travel and all this come together. I have not had that as a mom. My daughter's eight. So mm. that is has been so life-giving. I don't feel like I have to uh, make myself smaller or larger in any way around them. Mm, perfect. Yeah. So I don't feel like I have to accommodate, like, are they going to think this is weird or um, is this weird to suggest or, you know, weird isn't quite the right word. But, you know, I realize that in some of my newer friendships, sometimes I'm always just trying to like trying to squeeze myself to fit in <laughs> or, some, mm. or something, mm-hmm. trying to, to ship shape, you know, shape shift to make something yes. work. I totally get that. And these friends met me a year and a half ago at a time in my life where I feel like I was starting to, this is also part of my rewarding answer, where I was starting to come into my own a little bit mm-hmm. in the last couple of years where I it, w- was becoming bold enough to be like, this is who I am. And yes. they met me at that moment. And that has been a huge thing because they were like, this is who you are. Great. Whereas I have so many longstanding friendships, you're like 20 year old friendships that are fantastic. But for those people, I'm constantly treading water to be like, but I'm still me. I'm still the old me, even if this thing has changed. Uh, right. So when you meet people after you've changed in some way, they only know mm-hmm. you as the new way. Right. Oh my gosh. That is so true. And they like me that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Absolutely. not trying to juggle how I used to be or what they think I should be or any of that because I'm just like, this is me. And they were like, fantastic. Let's do this or that. They're also doers, which is huge in my life. They are like, um, you know, LA is full of flaky people. I love Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles people. They're flakes beyond anything you've ever met in your life. Okay. So when I met friends who like, if you're like, we should, we should go to the beach sometime. They're like, okay, Saturday, the eighth, get your calendars out. (laughs) 
This oh is my how gosh, they are. I need that kind of friend because I'm so flaky. I'm like, let's go get coffee sometime. But no, yeah, it's schedule amazing. me and I'll be there. But you have to yeah. watch what you say around them because if you're like, oh, I've always kind of wanted to go to that restaurant. They're like, all right, everybody get their phones out. Like literally they're like calendars. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's wonderful. But I'm like, oh, this is, oh, we're going to do it. Okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. <laughs> Um, so, so that is good. So that's a very rewarding part. My friendships and also sort of being in a flow. The other thing I mentioned, um, on episode one, two, three is about intuition, which is really the first step to, once you started paying a lot of attention to your intuition, you are, you notice more if you are in the flow or not. And by the flow, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, the word (laughs) explains it. Like, you know, you're like, okay, this feels good. This feels right. Um, a continuation of multiple good instincts. You're Ooh. like, you know, it's, yeah. it's like a sequence of good things. And you're like, I am in the flow. And then when you hit an obstacle, whatever that may be, like an actual, uh, schedule snafu or a, um, hormones, that'll do it for me, whatever sure. that will kind of like knock you off flow. And you're like, I don't feel right. You know, it doesn't mean anything's wrong. It doesn't mean there's danger or anything, but you're just like, I'm not in the flow. I'm not feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. In my spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm having more moments lately of being in the flow. So those are two rewarding things that I didn't even mean to give all those words to. My biggest challenge right now is like very obvious to anyone who peeked into our home. My husband is working a ton. He is making mm-hmm. two major movies he just signed to do two new TV shows. What? I didn't even know that. I, I, I'm literally like, what are you doing? And he has a couple of national commercials coming up in the next few months. So he's working like a maniac, which um, is not just the typical, like, you know, he's works long hours. It's also like when he's with us, in some ways, he his brain isn't all the way here. His body is here. Mm-hmm. His brain is not here. Mm, yes. That's hard for me. I'm a connector. I need to connect. I need us to be mindful and present. And what, like, that's really, these are all, these are all the languages that I use. I'm sure he loves me for it. Um, <laughs> so it's hard. I, I absolutely logistically get why he is very scattered and can't be totally present in this moment. He has a lot going on. It is very normal, but it is. It's a lot, especially when, you know, this, it's holidays and all kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah, that's my biggest that's challenge. Tough. Definitely, definitely. So tough. Um, okay. Couple of people have questions about skincare. That seems to be a hot topic. I don't know if it's because the weather's changing and we're all noticing our skin feels dry. I don't know. I feel like, Laura, that you and I have different approaches to skincare in that I feel like I'm more intensive on a daily basis, but I don't do anything like facials or Botox or anything like that. I feel like you're maybe less intensive on a daily basis, but you do more treatments. <laughs> yes, I don't know Does why that you feel would, accurate. I don't know why you would think that. That's exactly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> so I have talked about this a little on the show. I really want to do a deep dive on skincare because it's something I'm very interested in. Once I started learning about like the Asian approach, especially Korean skincare, they are so meticulous with their skincare and it starts early and they are such big believers in properly hydrating your skin. I feel like this has been revolutionary for me. I know it sounds silly. And yes, it's a totally privileged first world thing to talk about this. I get it. But 
learning about proper hydration, especially because I've become more cognizant of aging, um, has been really big. And so I've gotten really into the 10 step Korean skincare approach. However, I don't do all 10 steps every night, but I do have a lot more um, products that I feel like are really making a difference in my skin, particularly after cleansing, doing some more serums that are a little bit more um, uh, repairing for especially my forehead. I've talked about on the show. I'm so, oh, I just focus on it so much. Um, but also like my neck, um, other places that you don't necessarily think like I'm going to really focus in on skincare on this. So that's made a really big difference for me. Again, I want to do a deep dive because I feel like I have a lot more words than we can cover in a, you know, a bonus episode, but I don't do any outside of the house treatment. So I'd love to hear like for you, what do you think are the biggest appeals? Why you've been a longtime fan of doing facials. I know the Botox is a little bit more new, but what, tell me a little bit more about your philosophy and, and what you get out of the way you do things. Well, if I had your regimen, I probably wouldn't need the facials as much. I mean, I do think facials are, are good for anyone, any skin type, any personality type. You know, every, you're supposed to get them. Well, I guess ideally you'd get them once a month, but really like, let's be real, every three months. I'm just so lazy about <laughs> daily. I am. I, when I used to blog, I used to have my, all of my beauty posts were called lazy beauty because I was basically oh, like, that's right. I just need to do this in the laziest way possible. That's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Um, I just am so lazy about daily skincare. Like I just can't do it. I try to use really good products on my skin mm-hmm. as yeah. a, as a stopgap. <laughs> Like, I don't want to use crappy foundation because I'm probably going to sleep in it. So I need it to just not break me out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I need to use, like, better quality stuff. <laughs> or, like, if I'm going to really moisturize, I need it to be really excellent moisturizer because this doesn't need to last a few days. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's kind of how I feel about it. So... Yeah, I do get facials. I don't enjoy them. I actually will say I hate them. But interesting. Oh, I hmm. just I'm sensitive to people poking yeah. on my face. Like I just it makes me jumpy. It's not relaxing. Even even when they massage and do things that are supposed to be relaxing, it's not relaxing to me. It stresses me out. Okay. I hate steam. So good for your face. I freak out. It gives me like I feel like I can't breathe, like I'm panicking. This is my own yeah, this yeah, is my yeah. own stuff. Yep. Um <laughs> I do get Botox in my forehead um, and a little bit around my eyes. But as we talked about on our confessional episode, I don't get it too much around my eyes because for the way my face is and my skin is that it looks wonky in ways that are too hard to explain here. But just trust, it does. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, So let's go back to the facials. To you, what is the appeal? Is it a deep cleansing thing? You feel like they really get in and get a lot of the toxins out of your skin? Yes, all of that. And, and they use really great products. And I've also used, I've also done laser. Um, I can't think of the name of the laser and there's so many lasers. If I, if I find it, I'll post it in the group, but it was like a six treatment laser, whatever, which really did, you know, I feel like, Lasted a long time. It's supposed to last like six months or whatever when you get a laser treatment. It really does make your skin, um, you know, vibrant and young, dewy, more dewy looking. I really did 
think that it did that. So I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to the treatments. And I just think it does, it gets cleaner than any, when you get a facial, it gets mm-hmm. your skin cleaner than you could get it. It's not even clean. Doesn't even like, I mean, it like sucks out your pores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I've never even had a facial. So I but I've just, you know, sort of like seen them on TV and movies and imagined what it would be like. I can barely get in to get regular haircuts. So I know myself well enough to know that I'm just not going to be a person who goes in for regular facials, obviously. They're also expensive. Like that's the other thing. I don't enjoy this. This isn't relaxing. And I've paid a lot of money for it. I do see the benefits, Mm -hmm. which is why Mm -hmm. I, you know, Go. I used to get at a, um, a spa here in town. I used to get an oxygen facial. So after they did all the cleaning and all, they did all the stuff, they sort of like blow oxygen into your pores. I mean, like, it's okay. really, it was awesome. And people would get that before like red carpets because it really does make your skin glow for, I mean, that yeah. the oxygen effects, you know, were only maybe a few days or whatever. But if you uh-huh. got that before like a red carpet event, which many people do, I mean, your skin truly glows to just – right. So, I mean, there's lots yeah. of reasons to get them. If you're lazy like me, I mean, you should do it. But if you're a regular person like you, it has like a whole regimen. I feel like it's less priority. And I feel like for me, the skincare that I do at the end of every day genuinely, for me, feels like self-care. Like it is an mm. enjoy. I like it. I enjoy the, I enjoy using the products. I enjoy the feeling of what it all feels like when I'm done. So I enjoy it. It is a nourishing way for me to end every day, kind of a ritual at the end of every day that I can mm-hmm. kind of look forward to. So it works for me. I know not a, some people, it's a struggle, you know, to wash your face at the end of the day. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. So I can totally see that. There's definitely, um, there's, there's different sides to it. So I can't believe you just used that word because, you know, I've never had a word of the year ever in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had, um, mantras for the year and oh, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of things. And then last year specifically, I said, I'm not going to have a theme like that for the year. I'm just, I'm just going to stay yeah. really open. And for a number of different reasons, and it has come into my life that my word for 2018 is going to be ritual. What? I am, I can't believe you have a word. I know. It's not my for thing. Year. It's not my thing. It's I know. not your thing. I know. And it's only November and you have your word. This is amazing. I know. But when you talked about your washing your face or doing your skincare as ritual, a self-care ritual at the end of the day, that really appeals to like a a way I want to be moving towards. I don't look at it like that. I look at it like a chore, like a, you know, whatever. So to look at it, to try and shift my perspective and with my word of the year ritual. Yeah. Mm. Seriously. Well, we'll talk later about the Korean stuff because that just, just, that was very inspiring to me. The way that Korean women especially view it's not a, it's not an appearance thing. It's really genuinely about um, caring for yourself. So we'll right. talk more. Okay. Let's talk marriage. Mm. Joanna asked a question that several people wanted to <laughs> hear more from us from. You're so excited. Uh, Joanna asked, I'd love to hear how you each make time for your spouse and keep that relationship strong, even with the pressures of work and small kids. My husbands and I are like ships in the night sometimes, and I'd love to hear how others manage. Now, again, this is an area where I feel like we are on complete, total opposite ends of a spectrum. 
my husband works from home and I work from home. Your husband, although he's based in Los Angeles, travels a lot for his job and has very unpredictable hours. So I, maybe we'll have a little something for everyone here, but I do feel like we're coming at this from very different realities. I just hate giving marriage advice or not advice, but like even tips because, um, well, I'll tell you why I hate talking about it right now. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was going to say this, but we have had people that we love very much in my life whose marriage is ending. Mm-hmm. And it was a shock. It was a shock to us. And so, I mean, it was a shock to me and to my husband. And so we ha- have been quite staggered by this information that like, well, you just don't even know what goes down in a marriage. Like we thought that these people right. were absolutely uh, made for one another. I mean, no marriage is perfect by any means, but like it has really rattled the uh, idea of like, well, if they can get divorced, anybody can get divorced. Like we could get divorced and it has like brought up a whole thing. So I'm like always hesitant to talk about marriage. Also, I know just from, I mean, you know, Jeff and I are 13 years apart. We have a very unusual life circumstance. So like, it's always hard to be like this. What I would have to say about this situation is just not applicable to a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff and I are, I've always said this, incredibly compatible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like even when we were just friends, like we live well together, we travel well together, we parent well together. Like we are just, even though from the surface, it's always been the joke, we are very, very, very different on the surface. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very different. But really, like once you scratch just even like a millimeter below that, we are very aligned. Yeah. Very. And So sometimes I feel like people who are asking about marriage things, they're just like not, they're not at the same starting point. Mm, Yes. And so then I'm like, I don't know what to say. I mean, Jeff and I definitely get disconnected. Don't get get me wrong. Especially like I said earlier, he's working a ton. I have to like shake his shoulders to be like, be present with us. Right. Um, And we'll do date nights. You know, I don't find date nights to be that reconnecting. I like to do them because I like to have a nice meal without children or, you know, it's like, it's sort of self-care in a way way, or even marriage care, but it's not like, it's not a reconnection for me. Mm, I mean, we don't do them hardly at all. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not a big uh, date night kind of person, really. That's never been the story of our marriage. So um, I think that I, we have a very, very, very unusual circumstance too, in that we both work from home and now all of our kids are in school. And so I suppose though, because for many years, for the first 11 years of our marriage, Kyle was coaching college football and he was hardly ever home. And so I do, and that was when we were, that's when we started our family. So we definitely had to figure this out. I think, and it's, and now it's going to feel awkward that I'm using this word again, because now you've talked about how... <laughs> It's your word for the year. But our marriage has always had, we've always really celebrated little rituals along the way. So when Kyle was um, coaching, he was 
hardly ever home. But one ritual that we had was during football season, we would watch Saturday night on ESPN. We would watch scores together because when you're in college coaching, you're always looking to see who's going to get fired this year. Who do I know that's going to get hired on that staff? And could we get hired there? So for years while he was coaching college football, we would, that was our Saturday night thing. Even if he had was, you know, coming in from a game at like 1030 at night. I'd stay up and we'd watch scores and talk about teams and stuff. We don't do that anymore. Um, but we would even have like one ritual that we have is we drink coffee together every single morning. Whoever gets up first, it's usually me, uh, makes coffee and we sit in bed and drink coffee and we start the day out that way. Um, so we are not date night people. Our marriage is much more focused on like the little moments throughout the day. And I really do feel like for us, because of the kind of people we are, neither of us are go and doers. Neither of us feel like we have to or even want to be out planning the next, next big thing. That's not the personality that either of us have, but both of us do appreciate little things along the way. Mm. So, I mean, I think honestly, that's just a huge piece of the puzzle is knowing yourself and, and for your spouse to know, you know, who they are and what their preferences are and kind of figuring out like, where do we meet in the middle on this? Or what is, what does this look like for us? So here's a thing that is interesting. Jeff never feels disconnected from me. And it drives me nuts because I'll be like, we are clearly disconnected right now. And he's like, I don't – like, I, he just does not feel that way ever about anything. Like, he's like, we're married. We're connected. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Um, He just doesn't – you know, he doesn't feel a distance or, um, you know, if we're not on the same page about something, it, it doesn't, like, itch at him all day. Like, he just does – he's very – confident and secure in all of the world, but especially in our relationship, which is mm-hmm. fantastic for him. But what about me? <laughs> right. Because I do feel like disconnected. And so mm-hmm. if I'm the one feeling disconnected, which is always me, I have to reconnect myself in a way. So mm-hmm. sex is an obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um Again, that's more a way for me to reconnect than him. That's not, I mean, that's a part of life, but to him, that's not connection or reconnection. Like it just is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a way for me though, to reconnect. And another way that has happened, that happens for me, and this sort of has to happen organically. No, you can force this if you need to, but what ends up happening is Jeff and I will I'm not sure how to explain this. We will talk about something big picture. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of times this is why we're, while we're doing something, like he's not just going to like sit at the yeah. table yes. with me and like have a talk. Right. Um, right. We, if we're like walking, taking a walk or in the car, go, driving somewhere, we do, we've had some really amazing, like some of the biggest life changing conversations has been in the car. Um, yes. You know, whatever, when we're sort of doing something and we're talking about something big picture, for whatever reason, this works for me. Like, we have a dream of one day living abroad or, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we had a house in this neighborhood at some point? Or what do you think about, you know, after the kids graduate, what would you, whatever. I don't know. And it's more that it's not just daydreaming. Like, it feels like, oh, 
For some reason, that recenters me of like he is he is incorporating me into his future, which seems like that should be obvious because we're married. Mm. But when I feel disconnected, the root of that is uh, – the deep, deep root of that is I'm not a part of his life. Mm. Right. Or something like that because he has a whole work life and a whole world that the kids and I are separate from. Okay? Right. So Mm -hmm. my insecurities or disconnection comes from um, a a separateness. Right. So in order for me to loop myself back in or be assured that he he is looped in with us is to talk about the future. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. And it always seems to happen on accident, like in, like just in a natural way because someone else we know is moving or we just, you know, we're talking about schools for our kid already or, you know, I don't know, whatever, like, or we're talking about the state of the nation. Where, tr- like, truly, like, where's the world going to be in 10 years? Right. Will we still want this for our life? Do we still want to stay in California? Do we whatever? Do we, do we, do we? So when we have do we conversations – at the end of it, I'm like, that was so good. Yeah. And Jeff's like, I'm going to work or whatever. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I think that that uh, – first, I'm so glad that you shared a tangible, the, uh, the concrete of what that looks like, because I think you make an excellent point that we are not always on the same wavelength in terms of feeling connected, disconnected. And some people just – that is, like you said, for some people, it might be a season, like I'm really stressed by work, I cannot focus on anything marriage or home life right now. But for other people, they're just like not they're never going to be tuned in on the connection level. That's just part of who they are and how they were amazingly and wonderfully created. So sharing a concrete of what how you can use your imagination as a person and like figure out, oh, this, this works if when we do this, that's so good and self aware. It's Pretty brilliant. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for the B word. (laughs) The good B word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Our friend Stephanie, who we have both known for many years through blogging and um, is so wonderful, asked a really great question about regret. She said, regrets and what could have beens. I know people... Uh, say we shouldn't have regrets, but we all do. I would love to hear you all talk about this, any that you feel okay to talk about publicly. So Stephanie, that is a fantastic question. I am not, I have like maybe some small regrets. I regret being really, really uptight as a first time mom, but I think that's pretty universal. You don't know what you're doing. And depending on your personality, like for me, I went way overboard into control and (laughs) just didn't enjoy it. Um, And then I was like watching Daisy play at a concert recently. And she's just up there on stage with this huge bass. And she's just playing this beautiful music. And it goes so fast. So I do regret that I, I stressed out about some things when my children were younger that from where I sit now. And again, it's not like they're full grown adults. Um, Daisy's almost 13. But I'm like, and a lot of that doesn't really matter. <laughs> Just enjoy your kids because you have them for this long and then they're doing their own thing. Um, but to go back even further than that, this this is going to feel a little, maybe a little shaky to say, but so Kyle and I got married just before my 21st birthday. And I am 
so thankful that I found a person that I love and adore and have been obsessed with since I was in college. I found him so early. That is a wonderful thing. And I would never look at that with regret or lack of gratitude. But I do regret that I didn't go and do more before we got married. Um, I would have loved to have traveled like you got to study abroad. A lot of people I know studied abroad. As I, you know, meet more and more people and hear more people's life stories, I'm like, oh, wow, you, you were in Israel for that long? Or you got to study in Rome? Or, you know, like all of these places. I do regret that I went so quickly from college into home and married life and into career and then into family. I mean, Kyla and I were married for six years before we started our family. But there's a little window of time there where their possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at 40, I look back and I understand why 20-year-old Megan made the choices that she did and the decisions and the paths that she took. I understand it. I do regret that I didn't – it would have had to have been a really big, like, glaring opportunity for me to say yes to it. I do regret that I wasn't more – purposeful in seeking some of that out. I had a pretty one track mind at that time. So And what was that? <laughs> Megan. I know exactly what you mean by that statement. I mean becoming, you know, the the good wife who was caring for her home diligently. Right. <laughs> Okay, you, regrets. Do you have any? You've lived an amazing life and are living an amazing life. Do you have regrets? Of course I do. I feel like people who say that they don't have any regrets, like, are only young people. I used to say, I used to say I have no regrets. And then I was like, what? I totally have regrets. What am I talking about? Um, I have regrets. I mean, I have, you know, big and small. I feel like I have so many. Not like, terrible, I'm losing sleep over them, but like, oh, I would have done that differently. I would have acted different in that situation. Mm, Um, You know, I wish I had a redo on that relationship or, you know, circumstance. I really would have handled it better if I'd known then what I know now. I have a lot of that. A A few of my biggies that come to mind is I deeply wish that I'd taken care of my physical body better when I was pregnant. Mm. Oh, that's so true for me too. Uh, I was very ill when I was pregnant mm-hmm. and I had a lot of complications after my daughter's delivery and I didn't take care of it. Not one bit. I mean, I kind of mentioned it to the doctor, but I didn't truly take care of it. It caused years of physical pain and anguish that uh, I just regret. I regret all of that. I talked a little bit about that on the Pilates episode that I could have healed my own body if I had just paid attention to it. Mm. And I just wrote it all off as, you know, everybody has pain after delivery. Um, not realizing that not everybody has pain after delivery for years. Um, sure. or like, I, you know, I just, I dismissed it all with like, I told myself I was being a baby or sensitive or high maintenance or whatever. And that was just all incorrect. And if I could do one single thing in my entire parenting journey of all the missteps everyone makes parenting, mine start during pregnancy. Mm. If I had built up those muscles, there's just a million things that I could have done better. So that's a big one. Another big one is I started caring a lot about what people thought of me. 
And I wish I have some years back mm. that I wish I could go back and just give some people the middle finger. Ah, yeah. Yep. Um, it started after I was married. You know, I feel like this was a thing that didn't develop until maybe my late 20s. Uh, I was already married to the man of my dreams. I had, by anyone's opinion, a great life, and I just couldn't enjoy it because I cared too much about certain voices that were not my own, <laughs> that were speaking into my life that I wish I had not given them a microphone. Oof, that's good. And it, and that went on for years. I mean, it's still something I struggle with to an extent, although not with some of the specific people I'm referencing. And it took me a really long time. I mean, it really, and then you, you know, then you have kids and you have parenting insecurities and you have whatever. And it's like, once you sort of have a foundational insecurity, which was this particular one was new to me, the caring about what other people think thing was new. Once you get sort of a crack in your foundation of who you are, it's like they just seem to pile up, don't they? So then when yes. you get – then when you have a baby and you have some sort of natural early motherhood things, well, that piles on top of this other thing you have. Then, you know, somebody says something snarky to you online. So then that piles up. You know what I mean? Like once there, there's a pretty decent crack in the foundation, it's really hard to get out from underneath that. Mm. And so I spent many years, especially because I was working online, which is a, a vulnerable place to be. Yeah. And you're going to get negative feedback. And I let that some of the negative feedback that was happening, um, in real life and online, it's just, just fill in my cracks. And when you're filled mm. with cracks of negativity, well, what are you going to, you're not, you're going to be your best self. Absolutely. So true. So I wish I had not give it a big thing that my therapist has taught me a huge thing. If I could just, I want to like plaster this all over my house is don't give your power away. Mm, I 1000% affirm that. And I gave my power away because I got scared or I, you know, I, I thought that people were going to judge me or think bad things about me and maybe they would have, but that would have been preferable to the pain of hiding myself for so long. I really hid my light under a bushel. I get it. So that's, those are, those are my regrets. All right. That's good. I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. (laughs) It's good stuff. Okay. Let's finish off with uh, a question from Heather. She had a lot of very good questions that I think could actually form some full episodes in the future. But one thing that she asked that caught our eye was, where do you see yourself at 55? Usually we think about, you know, looking back in time and, um, or even if we're looking ahead, maybe like a five-year plan. But I like this question where you see yourself at 55. That's only in 15 years for me. I say only. There's a lot of life in between now and then. But again, it goes so fast. I feel like every year goes faster than the one before. It really does. So 15 years for me at 55, our children will be out of the home. Who knows what the future holds for them. So, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned this because this is something Kyle and I have talked about as we've been dreaming big for our future. You mentioned that you and Jeff have thought about living abroad in the future. I think Kyle and I are really, we're really not only dreaming about that, but kind of starting to plan towards that. Um, 
it, this has been a little bit of a slow burn, but it's escalated lately that we've kind of unhooked our attachments from feeling like we're, we need to be in the mainland, mainland of the United States forever and always, because that's what you do when you're an American. And I don't think either of us have that as a compulsory thing that has to happen as we, as our children graduate and move out and, and start their own lives. And so who knows, we may be living abroad somewhere. It's hard to imagine what life will look like, but I do hope and believe that when I'm 55, that if, if the stars align and whatever, if things work out for us financially, that I would have time in my schedule to really and truly do some of the volunteer things that I've always wanted to do and always thought, this is very important to me and I want to give time to this and I've never been able to figure out how to make it happen. Mm. Things I have a deep and abiding love for schools and children and education. So wherever we are living, supporting education for children in some way, I don't know that that means going back to the classroom as a full-time teacher. Um, I think that there might be better and different ways that I could do it for me, um, that I could serve the educational needs of children around me. So I really do believe that that is something that I would love to be doing at 55. It's hard to imagine life with your kids grown and doing their things and who knows what will happen between now and then. But wow, talk about possibilities. What about you? I'm just going to take this moment to point out I am not yet 40. <laughs> That's right. You are not. <laughs> You'll get there very soon. God willing. That's right. I I sort of look forward to this stage. I don't wish it away. I, I absolutely love where my kids are right now at eight and six, but just like in a theoretical way, I think, oh, wouldn't it be, you know, wonderful to sort of revisit to me because I did live on my own in my twenties or, or I didn't live with Jeff, but we, um, were in a relationship, obviously prior to children and it was lovely and wonderful. And so I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful to do on the other side? Um, you know, yes. with like yeah. more time on our hands, even. Yes. Without like yeah. the sort of clock ticking that you sort of have when, when you're younger and you feel very like crazy to get it all done. So I look forward to that stage. I don't think I will have met it at 55 necessarily because I'm hoping I'm still like busy and going. It's not even, mm-hmm. it's not like retirement age. No. Yeah. I, but I guess I just look forward to like sort of reading and writing and like having a schedule not dictated by other little people. Mm-hmm. Eventually, again, not in a hurry for it, but I, I don't dread it by any means. Um, we would love to live abroad. We, for a long time, Jeff and I thought we would move out of California while the kids were still in school. None of our family is here. And, you know, we had some concerns about raising children in a city. It's very different from how we both grew up. But after 2016, we definitively decided that California is our people. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are Californians. Yeah. So we yeah. are going to be here for a long time. I do hope that we like briefly live, you know, maybe live a year abroad or something like that. We both have cities that we'd love to try for long term, but like we, I think our home base will always be California. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways I'm like, I hope, I hope the thing I'm doing is something that hasn't even been invented yet. Like we don't even know. know. We don't even know what's to come, you know? Yes. Uh, so that's 
sort of fun to, thing to think about. And in other ways, I think, oh, I hope I'm still, you know, reading a lot or doing Pilates or, you know, I hope, I hope that I continue certain practices that I've built up. I think that when I see older women doing some of the things that I do now, I, I look to that as aspirational, like, oh, I hope that I'm still taking care of myself and feeding my mind and, and that kind of thing. Love it. Those are great and inspiring words to end on. I mean, really, truly, what we're doing right now was barely a dream 15 years ago. So to think 15 years into the future, so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. So thank you all so much for letting us share this further insight. Thank you so much for your amazing questions, which really got us thinking and talking about a lot of things. And as always, thank you for your ongoing support of Sorta Awesome. It means the world to us that you have come alongside the work of Sorta Awesome to support us in this way. So we look forward to hearing more from you either via email or over in our Sorta Awesome Superstars group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.